Cameron DeVazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. Pastor Howard, we're now on lesson five of our Message of Hebrews quarter study here. That's right. And the title of this week is Jesus, the Giver of Rest. Now, obviously, the whole lesson quarterly is going to great length to show how Christ is the center of Hebrews. And praise the Lord, you don't have to go to great lengths because Christ Mm -hmm. is the center of Hebrews. But it's kind of seeing a little compartmentalized. All right, in one and two, we saw it like this. Now in three and four, we see it like this, as though that was the thinking in Paul's mind. And I have run into a little bit of a difficulty trying to categorize or compartmentalize the different roles of Christ when it really all seems to be a comprehensive look at the singular ministry of Christ as our That's high right. priest. So, Well, you were bringing this up in, in uh, as we were talking before this, that um, verse chapter 4 starts with the word therefore. Mm-hmm. Chapter 3 starts with the word therefore. Mm-hmm. Chapter 2 starts with the word therefore. So they <laughs> right. we're building on this. So to try to compartmentalize them is actually in some ways, contrary to what the apostle was doing. He started right. from chapter 1, and he's building... You notice he almost has a momentum, like this, and therefore this, and therefore this, which leads... And by the time you get to therefore 8, he's like, the main point of all that That's we're leading exactly up right. And so to say, like, well, 1 and 2 focus on this, well, it does have those contents to it. There's a bigger arc of the story here that's... Right, so for example, we could say in, in chapters 3 and 4, they focus on the contrast between the ministry of Moses and the ministry of Christ. Right. But it's broader than that. Which it's, is true. They're in, focusing in the on that context this, in a greater context. Exactly, in the bigger picture. So That of Christ as our high priest. That's the um, difficulty we're having as we, and not just we, you guys are having this too. Any Sabbath school class is going to be dealing with how do we study this book of Hebrews in this, um, in this particular way. So it presents a unique challenge, but I believe uh, the Lord is up to the task. He wants us to study this book of Hebrews and he wants us to know about Christ our high priest. So... Um, I'm looking forward uh, to I just want to tell our, our teachers again, remind them, as we often do in Talking Points, that it's funny that you and I both teach Sabbath school. Mm-hmm. And going through Talking Points is not like teaching Sabbath school, <laughs> you know, because you have a class and you have the interaction. Mm-hmm. And to try to keep a healthy amount of interaction, I know our teachers run into this, and yet cover your topic with enough significance that people can take away something is a challenge. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of material to cover. So as a teacher, don't feel it's your job to exhaust the lesson in class, to cover every little Absolutely nuance not. and dark corner or bright corner or whatever of the lesson. Pick out those things that will be the most practically beneficial to your your students during the coming week and fighting mm-hmm. the good fight of faith and hone in on those and what you can't get to just refer them back to in the lesson for further study. Well, for instance, and we're, we haven't even gotten to our talking points for this week, but I'm sure there could be a Sabbath school this week that talks about how the challenge of Old Testament ancient Israel in entering the rest of God. Another one by talking about the importance of the seventh day Sabbath. Another one could talk about the end time Sabbath we're looking forward to. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to go, and none of them would be particularly wrong. It's right. going to be up to the class and the teacher and the dynamics in the room on the day. So we just want to give you some thought lines or some talking points <laughs> that you can use That's to consider. Cute as you go into this week's study. but And if you have practical questions, that, things you're dealing with and struggling with in mm-hmm. preparation for the lesson or in presenting the content or in studying for the lesson or whatever else, you go to our website, michigansspm.org, and on the floating banner there, you click on the Help banner. That takes you to our Q&A, Talking mm-hmm. Points Q&A. We've done one episode so far. You can find it on our YouTube channel and 
coming up on our page. We don't have it highlighted yet on the page mm-hmm. itself. And in our newsletter, if you've subscribed to that, you can do that through the website. But that's where we are trying to take the time that we don't really have. Even now, we're taking more time than we should. Just even talking about it. To answer yeah. the practical challenges that you may be having because we want to be a resource for uh, your success. Amen. Well, Pastor Howard, we have not yet prayed. So if you could lead us yes, in prayer, pray. then I'll walk through the talking points. Father in heaven, we do thank you for the privilege of of being able to study your word together and to study as fellow believers. And we pray now that as we review the talking points for this week, your Holy Spirit would guide our understanding and give us um, the efficiency to be able to communicate these things clearly and concisely uh, for the furtherance of your work and the strengthening of those who are watching this program. We thank you for hearing and answering, for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's dive in with our talking points this week. <laughs> All right, well, let's do that. The section of Scripture that we're looking at primarily, in fact, exclusively, is the end of Hebrews 3 and the beginning of Hebrews 4. And it's all about this, what could rest. be enigmatic rest. What does this mean? And so that's what we're going to be trying to hone in on to on this point. Talking point number one, the seventh-day Sabbath is God's day of rest. Now, to a Seventh-day Adventist audience, that might be duh, obvious, but there is a case to be made about the Seventh-day Sabbath being the rest that God talks about. Right, and that's as duh be... as it may be, Paul makes the point in Hebrews chapter 3 Right, and, and there's four. a lot of people so, who look at Hebrews and don't see that, so we need to exactly see exactly right. what he's talking about. So that's point number one. Talking point number two, ancient Israel missed Christ's rest because of disobedience. That somehow they went into the land but still didn't experience the rest, and why was that? And then finally, talking point number three, the Sabbath remains a promise of rest for God's people. There's right. an urgency to the Sabbath even still today. All right. Well, let's let's get started. Talking let's do point that. number now, one. We kind of alluded to it earlier, but I'm going to jump off of the script of the weekly, uh, you know, the daily outline of the lesson as written, mm-hmm. but I want to make sure that people jump into the script of the scripture itself. This Absolutely. is one of those that's going to be a good one for just look at the text and have good conversation discussion that comes out of it. So let's read uh, Hebrews chapter, um, let's see, let's read 3.16 through 4.8, okay? Why don't you read starting first verse 16 and read up until verse say 5 of chapter 4. Can you do All that? All right, let's do that. Okay. For who verse 16 of chapter 3 for who having heard rebelled indeed was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let's, uh, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said, so I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience, again he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time as it has been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. 
There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. Now, that issue right there, the rest that remains, is the central feature of this week's study. Mm -hmm. What is the rest that remains? Well, let me make make a quick point here. If you're reading in the King James Version in verse 8, it says, if Jesus had given them rest, and that throws people. Mm. But the, the name Jesus is taken from that Old Testament name, Yeshua, and they're very similar. And so mm-hmm. some translations, like the King James, will translate. But it's not talking about Jesus not giving them rest. It's talking Mercy. about Joshua when he led well, in them the context into the of the story land. of the of the Exodus so story. Yeah, maybe that helps clear up some things for somebody. Well, that's helpful. Okay. Well, if you look in a lot of different literature, evangelical literature, Christian, yes. and you look up commentaries on Hebrews four, you'll see a lot of different. Um, options given as to what this enigmatic rest means, right? None of which conclude the seventh-day Sabbath. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, they might say that it could be that, but no, 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 no. Not, right. Obviously, it's not that, because we have a new understanding of that, right? But basically, you have the commandment, letter of the law, the seventh-day Sabbath. That's one option. You have the land of Canaan being the destination of their rest in the Old Testament. You have the earthly sanctuary and temple where God's presence rested and uh, communed with them. You have the spiritual rest that we each have in Christ, and then you have the ultimate rest in the heavenly new earthly sense, right? When the sin is done away with, we finally are with our Father in heaven. So which is the one that remains and we talked about? A little process of elimination helps, I think, in this. Well, well, even to drill down a little bit more, um, for many, probably the majority evangelicals, they read this and they say, well, rest remains. And the Jews, they kept the Sabbath. And so mm. it couldn't be the Sabbath. So the rest that remains has to be the spiritual rest in Jesus. Jesus is my Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Jesus is my rest. This is a. Or they'll look the, at the term, and we'll get to later in the study, and they say well, another day, as opposed yes. to that old burdensome day. Now we've got today, just generally any so day. So just from the text itself, it's interesting that the context of the of the passage is obedience to God. Yes. And the reason they didn't enter the rest is because of their disobedience. Mm -hmm. So it'd be very odd for Paul to take a passage in where he's emphasizing obedience to say, by the way, you don't need to obey the commandments. Exactly. Yeah. And another point is, if they were were, uh, keeping the Sabbath, they would have been resting in Jesus. You can't do one without the other. So to say, oh, the Jews kept the Sabbath, they just didn't rest in Jesus. Hmm. No, you didn't. Yeah, That's right. Well, and we're going to clarify that. Yeah, we're going to dive into that a little bit more. But let's just use a little logic here. First of all, he can't be appealing presently to enter the Canaan rest because that was, you know, centuries, uh, at least, you know. Right. Yeah, long They're time They're in ago. Canaan. Right. And at this point, he's this is the New Testament book of Hebrews. He's not pointing them to look to the earthly sanctuary because the whole book of Hebrews is about the heavenly right. sanctuary, Right. And also, he's not talking about the earth made new because he's appealing to us to now, today, enter that rest. It's not just mm-hmm. a hope for the future. So we can eliminate most of those. So the question is, is he, basically it boils down to this, is he talking about a generic spiritual rest in Christ, or is he talking about a specific commandment to rest like the law outlines in the fourth commandment? And I think the problem comes when we make those two things in opposition to each other. Right. Either you're going to keep that old letter of the law or you're going to experience the rest in There's Jesus. There's a tendency in modern Christianity to try to separate the the spiritual from the literal. Yes. Like, for example, well, not in everything, though. It's not consistent in everything because we could all agree that baptism, the significance of baptism is a new life in Christ. Right. So do we not get baptized So it doesn't anymore? take away the form, no. You know? No, even... 
even when people argue over the form, like whether it be sprinkling or di- mm-hmm. still, still doing something. Christendom, <laughs> we're doing something there. Nobody's yeah. like, yeah, Jesus is my baptism. Right. Or you could do the same thing with marriage. It's like, well, I'm married to Christ, so now I don't have a literal marriage. I can do anything with this marriage. It's just a, that one marriage is right. important. Or my God is my father. My own, you know, there's still a fifth commandment. That's there's right. still a seventh mm-hmm. commandment. So what about the fourth commandment, right? Why does the Christian world so often think that either you're going to be keeping the seventh-day Sabbath mm. or you're going to have an experience with Christ? <laughs> you know, when the, the heart of the matter is that literal rest on the Sabbath... Only an experience with Christ would will enable to, you to keep the, the, the Sabbath commandment. And it was Christ himself, who's the Lord of the Sabbath, who established the Sabbath in for fact, the purpose of having a relationship. The fourth <laughs> commandment is about resting yes. in Christ. Like, there's no other way to keep the yeah, Sabbath. It's the one that talks about rest. How did it become a work? I don't know. Interesting. Anyway, well, Desire of Ages, and you find this also in the Friday's quarterly, uh, paragraph two. Mm -hmm. Why don't you read that little statement there? Desire of Ages, page 288, says, The Sabbath is a sign of Christ's power to make us holy, and it is given to all whom Christ makes holy. As a sign of his sanctifying power, the Sabbath is given to all who, through Christ, become a part of the Israel of God. Mm. So the, the idea I'm taking away here in this first talking point so, is... Go ahead. I was just going to say, as a sign of his sanctifying power, the Sabbath is given. Given to all whom he makes holy. So in other words, it's those who he makes holy, they've experienced Christ. That's what it's saying. Right. So the Sabbath is only significant to those who experience Christ. Right. Well, also, you remember in the Old Testament, he talks about how the Sabbath was that sign that I am he who sanctifies you, who mm-hmm. makes you holy. So... Keeping the correct day of the calendar or refraining from certain activities doesn't make you a Sabbath keeper. A Saturday keeper. It makes you a Saturday (laughs) keeper or or a time server or some sort of watcher, but you're not truly in Jesus, right? Mm. And that seems to be the appeal because think about the logic of this. Paul is writing... It's the book of Hebrews. Yes. To the Hebrews. He's not like outlining now. There's this thing called this. They're aware of the seventh day Sabbath. They know about. But what, what I believe Paul is trying to draw out from them is, you know, that seventh day rest that we all think you've been keeping apart from Christ, it's nothing. It's void. Right. But when you see put Christ in the center, that's where everything changes. Amen. So. That's the point number one, that the seventh-day Sabbath is God's day of rest, and that's how we demonstrate and have access to this beautiful experience in Christ. And that's clarified further in the chapter and in our other talking points. Right. So let's go on number two. Israel missed Christ's rest because of disobedience. Mm -hmm. Now, you can see that back in verse uh, 18 and 19, uh, verse of chapter 3, And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not, what? Obey. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now, you notice, Pastor Howard, there, that there's an equivalence there between unbelieving and disobeying. Well, yeah, and then in verse 2 of chapter 4, Indeed, the gospel is preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith. Well, in the context that did not profit, they didn't obey. Right. (laughs) And so evidently, if they had mixed the word with faith, it would have led to mm. obedience. By the Repeatedly, way, isn't it interesting? He's making that point. That it doesn't say Verse six. they had the law preached to them, but we have the gospel. It says <laughs> they had the gospel. That's exactly we had the, right. But the issue wasn't the gospel was wrong back then. It needed to be changing. The people did not place their faith in Christ and through that faith relationship obey, and thus they well, missed out on the rest. it's fascinating to me that the faith very clearly in his 
equation here leads to obedience. Obedience, right. And again in verse 6, Since therefore it remains that someone must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Okay, so here's the thing. We need to enter. Mm -hmm. There are people before who tried to enter, but they didn't enter. Why? Because of their disobedience. Mm. Well, so if we're going by process of elimination, right? What's the other? What do I need to do to get this? Right. It's going to have to be through obedience. There's no well in entering the land. We typically think of Israel entering the land being like the physical going from the wanderings of you know the wilderness into the land of Canaan, which there is a true application of that. They got up to the borders of the promised land and their faith faltered. They did not go in, and thus they had to be penalized. They did not obey. But in the same sense. You could think, well, they did get in finally. They did cross, you know, into the Canaan of old. So they rested, no? But he goes on to talk about how, for if Joshua had given them rest, and Joshua, of course, is the one who did take them into the literal Canaan. So you think, oh, they won. Mm-hmm. But then he makes the case, Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another So day. here's my question, what we've been talking about here. How can Paul say they didn't enter the rest? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the evident indicator to him Right. that they didn't obey? In other words, at the end of the equation here, again, he says, well, they didn't. Well, how do you say they didn't enter? They went into Canaan. They went into Canaan? Because if they were. They built the sanctuary. If they would have entered the rest I'm talking about, Paul's saying, they would have been obedient to God. They wouldn't have been going after idols and what have you. Exactly. So you could say, well, they entered the Canaan land. They built the sanctuary and the temple to follow. Mm -hmm. They kept the seventh-day Sabbath. Yeah. So those clearly can't be the rest, yeah. but I would submit they never truly entered Canaan. They never truly ex- worshipped Christ in his sanctuary. They never truly accepted Jesus in his yeah. Sabbath because when Jesus showed up, they rejected him. That's exactly And right. he's like, all of these are things to, uh, models to help you understand Christ and when he came. And the nature of true obedience. Mm. Mm. Mercy. So anyway, Paul repeatedly, as we just outlined there, com- equates their lack of unbelief to their disobedience to the command of God. You know, and also in a practical sense, when you think about it, when we're talking about true spiritual rest, how can you have spiritual rest when you're disobeying God? Mm. Like, I mean, that's really at the heart of his point here is they didn't enter the rest. They couldn't have entered the rest. While you're fighting against God and fighting his will, is there, can you have spiritual rest? <laughs> I mean, it makes no <laughs> Well, there was... So, a, yeah, keep going. Uh, no, I was just going to say that, that you're... The... the the rest is is the is that peace that passes understanding. It's the rest that comes from laying down your warfare against God, and 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 finding yourself in harmony with His will. It, it, to that point, on Sunday's lesson, the third paragraph, I don't have it in the talking point mm-hmm. note, but we should put it in. It refers back to Deuteronomy 12 from a previous study mm-hmm. we've had, right? Where it says the Lord told the people that they would enter the rest, not simply when they entered the land. Mm-hmm. Like when they crossed through the river, like, oh, now we're at rest. No, no, no. But when they had purged the land from idolatry, Mm. after that, God would show them the chosen place, chosen a place where he would dwell among them. So the entering the land, the building the sanctuary, the keeping of the Sabbath, these were not just like checklists or now we're good, now we're resting. Mm -hmm. These were all, uh, uh, not models, but method. They were all avenues through which people could see Christ more clearly and understand Mm -hmm. and spiritually rest in him. So I'd go back to that first point that everything about this obedience is not like you have to keep the letter of the law and then check your... He's outlining the need for having Christ as the motive for our obedience. Well, let's take your, your uh, the idolatry you just talked about. Let's yeah. take our marriages, for example. You want to have a restful, 
pleasant, romantic time with mm -hmm. your wife. But there's a few girlfriends you have in between, you know, you and her. Sure, as you do, sure. <laughs> well, now this is what the idols would be, right? Mm -hmm. How can you possibly enjoy that experience with your wife while you're still holding on to these other things? So mm -hmm. we can talk, we talk all the time theoretically about it. We say, oh, we're not saved by disobedience and all that. But we forget the, the net effect that that idolatry or that disobedience still has in our relationship with Christ. You can't separate the two things. Mm. Well, and you think about the time when he's writing here, these again are Jewish people, the Hebrews, mm -hmm. who are well aware and very uh, devout in their forms and ceremonies of Sabbath keeping. And so he's not introducing them to the Sabbath, he's introducing them to the Lord of the Sabbath, That's which right. by the way is one of the main features of Christ's ministry. You know how much he went out of his way to make sure people, he didn't just kind of heal the people, he wanted to heal the Sabbath that mm -hmm. had been so twisted and maligned, right? right. And so when Christ, well, they looked at him as a Sabbath breaker. <laughs> and even today, you'll hear, even in the they Adventist church. They didn't just look at him, they accused him as a Sabbath right. breaker. And even in the Seventh Adventist church, we'll look back at the Pharisees and say, like, well, at least they kept the Sabbath. And I would say, <laughs> no, they didn't, you know? And so Christ is trying to, all through Scripture, and here in Hebrews 4, point to the fact that the form is simply an expression of, of the deeper spiritual reality. And they're not antithetical to each other. In fact, they're parallel, they're corresponding. That true Sabbath keeping is a mark of true faith in Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Oh man, our time is running, but let's look at, um, well, there's an interesting statement on Tuesday's lesson in paragraph one. It said, the fact that the invitation to enter this rest was repeated in the time of David implied both that the promise had not been claimed and that it was still available. So that's an interesting point. If it was just about entering the land of Canaan uh, for ancient Israel, why in the Psalms would there be a, an appeal to enter that rest if it had already been taken care of? Well, that that right. Sabbath, which leads into point number three, that the Sabbath remains a promise rest for God's people. And the word that keeps coming up over and over and over in the book of Hebrews so far, as he's quoting here from David in the Psalms, mm -hmm. today, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 8, today if you'll hear his voice. Chapter 15, today if you'll hear. Today, verse, uh, uh, what it was, verse uh, 7, yeah. Over and over, there remains today the same rest based on the same gospel that was offered to them. That's right. There's still this open invitation to the rest in Christ that up until this point, no one had truly absorbed. No one had truly taken them up. Well, and just to be clear... The, we talk rest in Christ, which is correct, but that is not a substitute for the Sabbath. That's right. There's a word that's used in this passage, and there's a great, in the teacher's lesson, and you can say, well, I don't have the teacher's lesson. Go to the Sabbath School app. It's free online. MichiganSSPM.org. Yeah. We have a link to the, the, the app on our website. But in the teacher's notes, there's some good, uh, more discussion than in the lesson. But the word there, there remains a rest for the people of God in our memory verse is the Greek word sabbatismos. It's the only time it appears in the New Testament, and it specifically mm -hmm. has to do with keeping the seventh-day Sabbath. And so when we talk about rest in Christ, when Paul talks about it, he's not talking about that in a separate sense from keeping the Sabbath, but in the context of keeping the Sabbath. Well, interesting. Let's look at the text itself to really hone this in, okay? Look at verse 4 of chapter 4. It says, For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day, in this way. Mm -hmm. So clearly the, the subject we're talking about is the seventh-day Sabbath, right? And he quotes, And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. That's a quote from Genesis, right? But now look at verse 5. 
and again in this place. Mm. Again what? Again, he's talking about the Seventh-day Sabbath, right. right? They shall not enter my rest. So what is the rest that Christ is inviting to is the That's true Seventh-day Sabbath right. that God enjoined. So again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. And we can point to that, well, he didn't let them come into Canaan. But multitudes came into Canaan who, as Paul says, didn't mm-hmm. enter the rest. His point here is, again, in this place, they shall not. You can't enter into the Sabbath rest in that state of rebellion and disobedience. That's, mm-hmm. again, just repetitive so as, in this passage. Right, and if we keep going, since therefore it remains that some must enter it, because it hasn't been entered yet, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. So there's clearly some sort of obedient command based on the creation of the world <laughs> that God gives for rest. Okay. Mm-hmm. Verse 7, again he designates a certain day, saying in David, today. After such a long time as it has been said, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. Now, sometimes people will look at that and say, Aha! God has now changed the day. But he's not talking about a different Sabbath day. He's talking about the urgency of that is still available in your day, in my day, today. There remains, here's the key text, therefore a rest for the people. There remains today a rest we can have in Christ as we obey his original goals and ideals for humanity is right. outlined and in Scripture. And that word there in verse 9, rest, is sabbatismos, the right. keeping of the Sabbath. Exactly right. What's fascinating is we didn't read this, but verses oh, verse 10, 10 and yeah. 11, he who's entered into his rest in the context of Sabbath has ceased from his works. Oh, uh, you're <laughs> keeping the Sabbath. That's a works thing. No, you cease from your works when you enter into the Sabbath right. rest. Truly enter. And to know it. that he's talking about creation there, as God did from his. He's the one who modeled creation, Sabbath rest, and then gave it to us as a blessing. And then he makes a very odd statement in verse 11, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. We could say, therefore work hard. To rest. To rest. (laughs) (laughs) So that we don't follow their same example of? Disobedience. (laughs) It keeps coming back to this. And, And the lesson brings this out in uh, Tuesday, yeah, I think three. the point of this passage here is that he doesn't want us to obey the Sabbath anymore. <laughs> no, no. The, urge, the, the point of clearly is that that original Sabbath rest experience in Christ as it has been available from the very beginning is available mm. to now. And if no one else has taken it upon him, you do it That's today, exactly right? right? It's an urgency, Amen. right? In Tuesday's quarterly, it says in uh, paragraph three, today is a time of decision for us. Today, as, if you will hear his voice. Anybody right. within... Earshot. He who has this. ears to hear. Yes, let, him, let hear. him hear. A time of opportunity as well as danger, as it has always been for God's people. Today appears five times in Hebrews 3 and 4. It emphasizes the importance of listening to God's voice, because failing to listen mm. and believe God's word leads to disobedience and the hardening of our hearts. Now, there's more you can look into, and not only is it for today, it's for eternity this seventh-day Sabbath experience in Christ is going to be mm. ours throughout the ceaseless ages when we go to the new earth. Amen. And the Bible speaks of that as too. But I wanted to close with that last quotation from uh, Friday. Pages yeah. 289. Exactly. Go ahead. Also on Friday's quarterly paragraph 3, the Sabbath points them to the works of creation as an evidence of his mighty power in redemption. While it calls to mind the lost peace of Eden, it tells of peace restored through the Savior. And every object in nature repeats his invitation, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest.
Friends, this is the rest that we're talking about in Hebrews 4. Yes, it is expressed in the Seventh-day Sabbath, but it is found only in Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's the appeal for each one of us today. So may God bless your studies and your Sabbath school classes. And Pastor Howard, can you close with a word of prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the rest you offer us so freely in Christ Jesus. And Lord, we ask your forgiveness for so many times when we simply go our own rebellious way and don't seek to enter that rest. We pray, Lord, that you will help us as we read these words and meditate upon these things, as we interact with our fellow man, that we would not only choose to be obedient to your will and enter that rest that we have in Christ ourselves, but we would help others to find that rest in Jesus too. Mm. Father, thank you for hearing and answering this prayer, for we ask it in the name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen. Amen.